And now, Father, hear our hearts. Change us according to your will. May we deepen in our faith simply by being under the, under the instruction of your word. Speak to us, O Lord, now. <clears throat> we pray in Jesus' name. So life is normal, ordinary, and Herod has been king for some time, king in quotes, he's, uh, he's really a puppet of Rome, and he's a bad guy. Herod, he, calls him the, he called himself the Great, and he did rebuild the temple, but he also built himself a magnificent palace, and he, it was always about him. He was the center of all things, and, and he was one of these power-hungry types who he had close to a dozen wives, and he killed several of them. And all of the, among his sons, he killed two of his sons just because of their being obstreperous or rebellious. And it was said of him, it would be better to be his pig than his son because at least he would honor a pig because he wanted to give off the appearance of being, even though he was barely Jewish, hardly Jewish at all, but he wanted to give the appearance of being Jewish. And so Herod is the king. And, and the people of God have not had a word of God for close to 400 years since the prophet Malachi. And so religion has become sort of perfunctory, going through the motions, doing what they had to do, just sort of, you know, getting their ticket punched, day in, day out. And, and so life is just sort of ordinary. And everyone's sort of caught in ordinary time. They don't have any great expectations about anything. The last time there was anything that dramatic that happened was about 140 years earlier during the, what was called the Maccabean Revolt. And a bunch of, a bunch of the Jewish people rose up against the Greek overlords who had gone into Jerusalem and they actually took a bunch of pigs and slaughtered them in the, in the holy place in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And this got them angry enough that they, they drove out the Greeks but after the Greeks, it's just Romans. And again, life is ordinary. They have no expectation. 400 years have passed. If we turn the clock back 400 years, well, we're back at Plymouth Rock or something like that. It's been a long, long time. And so there's no expectation whatsoever. And Zechariah is part of the priestly caste and and among all the priests, all of those who are of this, the tribe of Levi, they get their turn to help out in the temple. And one time in a lifetime, they get to go into the Holy of Holies and burn incense. And so at least for Zechariah, things are not ordinary. This was a huge moment. This was the day of his life. And he got to go into the temple and light incense. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. 
When Herod was king of Judea, there was a, a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you're to name him John. You will receive great joy and gladness, and Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be man, a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well along in years. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures that, and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of not having children. And God had his understanding of this hearing of his word. So no expectation of anything different happening it was his shot at going in to burn incense. That was it. He anticipated that because sooner or later his name would come up. And so there was some expectation that, that he would have that opportunity. But he would go in, burn the incense, come out, see the people, and be over with. Everything done. Religious requirement fulfilled. And his chance was done. So I'm sure he anticipated coming out and having a bunch of pictures taken because it was that special day. 
and maybe having a special meal that night with some of the other priests. But he was met by an angel, Gabriel. An angel met him. Now, I don't know quite what that means. When we talk of angels, the, the Old Testament word for angel is messenger. And, and we have all these images that have been given to us primarily by really creative medieval artists of wings and halos and all of that. But he was met by Gabriel in whatever form that took. And Gabriel gave him this news. Now, he and Elizabeth probably grew up not too far from each other. They were probably kids in the same vicinity with one another. And in all likelihood, even though marriages were arranged, in all likelihood, the parents noticed that Zechariah noticed Elizabeth. And parents have a way of, of bringing kids together and making sure they are in the same place at the same time. And, and one thing led to another. And these two young people were brought together and were married. And then, of course, they started hoping hoping that they would have kids like everyone else had kids. Here's this young couple, and they see all the other young couples with their little ones talking about having kids, talking about how poorly behaved they are, trying to control these little ones. And, and time passes, and, and nothing. Now, of course... The text blames Elizabeth for this because they always blamed the woman when there was a problem having children. Perhaps it was her side biologically, perhaps it was his side biologically, but for whatever reason, she bore the consequences. and It was hard for her. Nevertheless, the two of them just continued to live life. They lived faithfully. They continued to do what they needed to do in their community. And then it says that they got old. Now, what's old? Old is probably simply that where they recognize those days are behind them. Those days that they had longed for, hoped for, prayed for have passed. Things change. And so part of regular life was that not everyone can have kids. Part of ordinary life is that these things happen. And they have to learn to deal with the reality that they will not have children together. That's ordinary life, ordinary time. Time and life is as we experience it so often. We live our lives and we don't really necessarily expect anything to happen where something breaks in from the outside. We live our lives and we, we anticipate life to go on pretty much as we expect. 
And there's no reason why after 14, pardon, pardon me, after 400 years, these people would have thought anything differently. But then there's this thing that is God's time. Our time, ordinary time. And we, we do the best we can with it. But we look back and we realize we can't change stuff that's already passed. We'd like to sometimes, but at least we can go forward. C.S. Lewis makes a comment. He said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. So that's what we do. We try to, even though we can't change the past, we maybe can have something to do and something to say about the future. And so this is where Zachariah and Elizabeth have been living their lives. And in all likelihood, they're being loving, caring people in their community. They probably borrow nieces, nephews along the way, do some babysitting, watching of the kids. Life is ordinary. And then it's not. Then suddenly God breaks in. Unanticipated, unexpected. You know, so much of Advent and so much of the Christmas season, we talk about expectation. We talk about the coming of the Lord. And we, we know all about that, of course, because we're on this side of Christmas and Easter. But the reality is that life goes on. And in the midst of life, there are occasions when God breaks in. God's timing is not our timing. God's timing is not was not Zachariah's timing. And I, I just, I love this story. So here they are beyond those years and the two of them lovingly come together. <laughs> she gets pregnant. She, she finds out that she's gonna have a baby. Now she's old enough to be a grandma. And she feels her body change, her whatever that feels like. <laughs> but she feels it, sees it, sees things that are unfolding within her life, and, and they start to be overwhelmed with joy and anticipation. And God's timing, God's timing is such that when God breaks into our lives, the after effect is joy. The after effect of God's impact in our hearts and lives is that we have, we have a joy that we don't anticipate, that we didn't expect. This is how faith happens. This is how faith erupts in our lives. Suddenly, without expecting it, I mean, we can be going to church year after year and not really expect anything except that we just go to church and up front, they all go through the motions. And, and the best thing about church, I remember when I was a kid, the best thing about church was when it was over. And, um, and so it is, and we can go to church our whole lives. We can go to summer camp, we can go to all kinds of different things. And, 
And then, unexpectedly, something happens. Somehow, there's an ever so subtle change that happens within us. The Spirit of God touches us. And we are strangely moved. And we feel that there has been a shift. Very often, it's not just a little course correction. It's what in, the, what in Hebrew is spoken of as, as shuv. And that is, it's a turn, a whole new direction. A 180, not a 30 degree turn. And we don't know what happened, but somehow we've been met. Somehow we have experienced the reality of the Spirit of God in God's timing. You know, Jesus toward, on his way to, or just before he turned to Jerusalem for his crucifixion, he asked the disciples who people say that he was. And uh, Peter is the one who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Come from the Father. So all kinds of flesh and blood efforts don't do it. All of the things that we try to do do not change us. We cannot come to that faith, that realization, unless it is the reality of the Spirit of Christ himself turning us, changing us. That's God's timing. That's what God does. And and that's really what this whole thing about church is all about. And that is we would create an atmosphere, an arena in which God would do his work. That's why we call this a sanctuary. It's a safe place where that kind of change can happen. And that you're among other people whose lives have been changed. So in the midst of ordinary time, God's timing comes to us. I think it's really fascinating that Zechariah came out of this and couldn't talk. Part of that was that he had no words. He was struck dumb, yes. But it was probably a gift that he couldn't speak because what he would say would probably be kind of dumb. And it would probably embarrass himself and God and and Elizabeth and everyone else. He would probably try to describe what he saw. So his silence was maybe the best thing. And oftentimes it is that our silence, when we've gone through a tremendous change, when we've gone through a tumultuous experience, positively or negatively, sometimes our silence is best, just so that we can allow it to have its way and allow that transformation to to occur. And then it begins to come out. And it comes out at a time that our Lord has determined. So we have ordinary time in which God has his time, and then there is what the scriptures call the fullness of time. 
time when it all comes together. We speak of time, there's that clock time, which is chronos in the, in the Greek, but then there's the appropriate time, propitious moment. The, not the chronos time, but the kairos time. That very special time, the time in which all things have come together. I believe that for Zechariah, it was when John was born and he held in his hands that little boy, overwhelmed with joy. His own son, his own little boy. And he said this, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us in the path of peace. So Zechariah declares the fulfillment of God's timing and that which anticipates the coming of the Son. And John has this very special responsibility of being that voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, prepare the way for the coming of Christ. And in no small manner, we are all of us in some ways, Elizabeth's, in other ways, Zachariah's, and in other ways, John's. In some way, the way God impacts us and, 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 and impacts our faith, we're each of us called in, in our own lives and in our own relationships to reflect the reality that God has come to us. God has taken on human flesh and God has taken up residence in our lives and we are changed. You join me in prayer. And thank you, O Lord, for this one who's a forerunner of the Messiah. This one who lived a life out on the, on the margins, who ate locusts and honey and declared the day of the Lord. Thank you, O Lord, that the day of the Lord is now every day. And you move in our hearts and lives to make that so. I give you thanks and praise in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.